Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Live from Southern California and broadcasting worldwide on Wealth Radio. A tax lawyer prescribing a dose of truth for entrepreneurs. A voice of common sense for the small business owner. And don't get him started on saving taxes. This is the Mark Kohler Show. Mark Kohler Show. Kohler Show. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. I'm your host, Mark Kohler. Excited to be here with you on this beautiful January uh, morning, midday, wherever you may be. Of course, if you're on the East Coast, socked in, you're uh, uh, in a snowstorm, for those that are catching this via recording. Uh, (laughs) This is January 27th. Apparently, according to CNN and the Weather Channel, this is the 2015 storm. You know, so this is... This is where we're at here, facing uh, a blizzard on the East Coast. Not where I'm at. Sorry, I'm just as a, as a country. That's where we're at. Feeling bad for those stuck in airports on the East Coast and everybody getting the trickle-down effect from flight delays around the country. But if not, you're not, if you're not in that mess, welcome. We're glad you're here. We're here today talking about saving taxes, building wealth, living the American dream. I'm so excited about this show. This is a show where uh, I uh, get the the honor, the privilege of interviewing the one and only Chris Albin. He'll be joining us here shortly after we get through our tips, some announcements. Uh, Just an incredible educator. I'll introduce him a little bit further here, of course, as we get uh, into the show and bringing him out. But we're talking about how to buy rental properties with creative acquisition strategies. Uh, I've had the honor of having him on the show about once a year for the last three years. Uh, we've shared the stage on some events over uh, over the last five or six years, and just a wonderful uh, individual. And he's, in fact, uh, helping with me uh, with one of my properties out in Chicago. So we'll bring that up, too. So welcome. If you're here to learn about how to buy rental properties in 2015 with creative strategies, you're in the right place. And so please make sure that you share this link, uh, this show, uh, with your friends, family, other investors, and uh partners and uh, I mean I think you're going to find it very very helpful. Uh until then, we uh until we get the honor of talking with Chris, we've got a lot to talk about here, a lot of announcements. We've got our regular uh experts coming on to the show from our different offices around the country and we've got Brian Brown that'll be here with us shortly and Kevin Kennedy. Um we'll get to those guys in just a moment, but if you haven't checked the newsletter out yet today, um, we've got some uh, neat articles, some uh, upcoming events that you need to be aware of. So I won't go through the uh, um, tax deadlines or the – well, I'm going to mention one important tax deadline uh, that's just absolutely critical. And I had my phone call with a client this morning on this very topic, and that was the W-2s for um, payroll. If you have an S-Corp or you have employees, uh, this is uh, the last week. they got to be done by Friday. So – Get uh, uh, with your payroll folks. If you need some help there, call Sandy Clark at our office. She's our new client administrator. She'll get you with any sort of tax service, whether um, whatever the project may be. Start with Sandy Clark. Uh, she's amazing. And you just call the main number. Uh, we do have uh, Sandy, uh, Sandy B. is <laughs> in Beecham. She's the director of our uh, accounting services. But Sandy C. is in Sandy Clark. is our new client services, and she's wonderful. So talk to her if you need some payroll help before the end of the week. Now, um, a few articles that I'd like to highlight. I, I talked about charitable costs in my blog article this week. Maybe it's because I'm a scoutmaster, and I uh, – 
I donate quite a bit of time to the scouts. It's Tuesday night, which is scout night for me. I'm going to be running around with about 20, uh, uh, 12 to 13-year-olds, uh, maybe some 14-year-olds in the mix tonight. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be working on some merit badges. And uh, I just love scouting. But for any of you that do donate time to any sort of community, religious, charitable organization, there's a lot of expenses you may incur, whether it's mileage, picking up some supplies. Uh, it's, there is a, a, some good opportunity for some tax, uh, oh, sorry, tax deductions there. Tripped up on my words. So please check out that article. Uh, for those of you that want to deduct more than just your check you might write to the United Way, for those that are donating time and services, uh, that it's there's some good little tips in that article, and I, I use those strategies myself with the scouting organization. We're planning for scout camp this next summer, I mean this coming summer, and good stuff. Um, there's another article on the 1099 rules. Uh, I'm gonna when we bring out Brian Brown, we've actually got a couple of emails that I want to talk about um, regarding 1099s. Brian is truly a, uh, a wealth of knowledge on that, so we'll ask him a couple of questions on that. And Matt Sorensen wrote an article on how to report your self-directed IRA purposes. Now, just a moment, everybody. Let's tune into this. This is important. For those of you that may have a self-directed IRA or a 401k that you're self-directing, you may need to file what's called a 990 tax return for your IRA or a 5500 EZ or full 5500 for your 401k. Now, we have an accountant in the law firm at KKOS Lawyers, uh, Luke, he's fantastic. That's Luke Slayton. He's out of our Phoenix office. He can help you with that reporting. Now, let me just give you the caveat. First, read Matt's article. He'll get into the details, but I'll just give you, he's got a grid of when you determine if you need to do a tax return or not. But here's the trick. With an IRA, it really boils down to this. If you're not doing fix and flips and you're not using any sort of non-recourse debt, you shouldn't ever have to file a 990 tax return for your IRA. But if your IRA is going to borrow money, seller financing, something like that, and, and Chris Albin will talk about this, I'm sure, today as one of his creative acquisition strategies, you may need to file a 990 tax return. Because what happens is when you ultimately sell the property, you've got what's called UDFI tax, unrelated debt financed income tax. So you have to pay the tax on the income you made from the debt portion of the project. You don't pay tax on the money the IRA makes, but if you're going to use debt, the government says, hey, if you're going to leverage, you've got to at least pay tax on the profit based on the percentage of leverage. That's called UDFI. Well, you may not pay that tax until seven years from now when you actually sell the rental, but if you haven't been doing 990 tax returns up until then, where's all your carry-forward depreciation and write-offs for that rental? You've got to go back and try to figure it out or you're going to be disallowed those write-offs. So if you want your IRA dialed in, if you're borrowing money in your IRA, or you're doing fix and flips in your IRA, which would trigger, trigger UBIT tax, read that article, give Luke a call, and get your tax returns done for your IRAs this year. Okay, so there are some announcements. We've got discounts on QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online. Many of you know that I've got a QuickBooks special one month out of the year where we do it. I, I do this training video series. I'm shooting new videos. I've got a whole slate of videos I'm shooting. It's lifetime access. So as long as I'm alive, I'm shooting more videos. You don't pay again. There's no monthly fee, annual fee. Any new QuickBooks training video I shoot, you get. Half off in January only, only three to four days left. So please check that out. If you're interested in having your children learn QuickBooks or you yourself, you can always access, access those videos on, online and, and watch them over and over again. And there's uh, a great fee there. There's some upcoming live events. I'm going to, uh, Matt Sorensen, uh, next week on Tuesday is going to be at a special workshop in Phoenix. I'm going to be in Miami uh, next week, also doing a conference for Entrepreneur Magazine. And then there's a live webinar that we're building for on February 12th. It's free. It's a webinar sponsored by First Western Federal Savings Bank and, and KQS Lawyers, where Matt Sorensen is talking about non-recourse loans, how to get loans in your IRA. Oh, you got to hear this. Good stuff. So check that out in the upcoming live events section. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to access those. Okay, so without any further ado, I want to bring out the man, the myth, the legend, Brian Brown, our fearless leader here at KKDCPAs and a regular <laughs> contributor to the show. Brian, welcome. Hey, how you doing, Mark? Good. 
Now, I know you've got a tip for us, but before you throw it out there, I also have two 1099 email questions for our show today. Since there's an article on 1099s and they're due by the end of the month, would you mind fielding those and see where it goes, and then maybe just throw in a little tip on the way out the door? Okay, that that sounds good. I'll uh, I'll see what I can do, see if I can give you any correct information. <laughs> All right. Okay, so here's our first question. This is from Cindy. She says, Mark, I'm always confused by the 1099s because people like you – oh, she's blaming me already. Thanks, Cindy – say <laughs> you still need to use the pre-printed forms and triplicate because – but there are services online that you pay to do this without needing the forms. Can you please explain this discrepancy? So, Brian, maybe tell us about the actual forms being used and using an outside service, even such as us. What, what's the procedure there? The procedure is basically the government has a preprinted form that is used. And it's the red copy, and that's the one that they still require. The other copies below yeah, they don't require those. You can, again, like our software we have here at the firm, it prints out everything separate. You don't have to use any IRS forms, but that top form that has to be mailed to the IRS, it is a red copy and it is required to be sent to the IRS. The services that people use, those services are still sending that red copy to the IRS. So if you want to do it on your own, you can go down to, I think, Staples, Home Depot, the post office, and buy these forms in triplicate and, a triplicate and print them out yourself. But there is that procedure of sending in the 1098 cover form with those red forms. So, Cindy, these companies are doing this for you. If you do it on your own, you're going to have to do a little bit of mailing and get a preprinted form. Is that a fair statement, Brian? Yeah, it is. Uh, that 1096 does go with the 1099s. And uh, on, on top, it's it's the reconciliation form. It tells how many 1099s that are included, the total amount of the 1099s. So that 1096 goes with the 1099s and gets mailed to the IRS. Okay. All right. Well, we've got another question here. And folks, if you've got one on this 1099 topic, since we're filling a couple on this, I do not mind uh, hitting that. Um, let's see. Um, I apologize. I don't have the first name of our our uh, listener that uh, emailed this over at the moment. So I'm just going to go from um, – I read it this morning on the way in, and then I've, uh, I've, I've lost my email on it. So, okay, so Brian, here's the question, though. In effect, uh, when you uh, do the 1099s, there's a special rule for credit cards, PayPal. Now, I've adjusted my article in the blog to include this. So, folks, you can read the article that's in the newsletter on this. But, Brian, why don't you explain to people that are, that are making payments with credit cards and PayPal what the rule is for that? Yeah, any payment to a, to a person you'd send a 1099 to, outside services, whatever the case may be, if you pay them by credit card, then you do not need to send them a 1099. Credit card, PayPal, any of those methods, because that information is already being sent to the IRS in the form, and excuse me, not in the form, and the vendor the gets a 1099-K from the credit card companies. And so those payments are already included. If you send a 1099 that you've paid by credit card and they get the 1099-K, then all of a sudden there's going to be a a possible reconciliation problem where the IRS is going to say, hey, you've got all these receipts that have been recorded through credit card and through 1099s. Your returns don't add up to that. And then the, and you have, they have to go and unravel it and you know figure it out. Figure it out. But if by credit card, PayPal, whatever, it's already being reported to the IRS, so it doesn't need to be reported by you. Well, Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, I think that's a great point. And so, folks, um, keep that in mind. Again, when you're paying with credit cards or PayPal, uh, the processing company will take care of it for you. And then we've got the lawyer issue. Now, by the way, I found my uh, the email here. It was from Gary. And he said, uh, Mark, can you clarify if you pay your lawyer um, and they're incorporated, do I still have to issue a 1099? And I believe the lawyers are also exempt as long as they're incorporated. But if not, you need to send your lawyer a 1099. It, what's your thoughts on that, Brian? I want to make sure we get the right answer out there. Uh, pay your lawyer, send your lawyers a 1099 unless you pay them by credit card. 
Okay. There you go. I like it. That's what I, I adjusted in my article for that. So, Gary, great comment. Um, and let's see. So there's our 1099 questions. I'm just going to leave it at that. And, folks, if you have more questions on 1099s, quickly email me here. We'll pick them up on the show. Let me check the chat line, see if there's anything on the chat. Uh, Brian, with that said, did you have a quick tip you wanted to share with us today before we move along? The only thing I was going to mention is, and again, it will be mentioned more and more as we get closer to the 15th, but if you have a, your HSA set up, you've got a 401k, we've got a SEP, we've got still have opportunities for tax planning. They're very limited at this point, but there's still opportunities for tax planning to help uh, reduce taxes up until for HSAs and uh, IRAs up until April 15th. SCP, self-retired, uh, simplified employee plans, They've got until the due date of the tax return, so again, including extensions. So again, we still have a limited amount of tax planning that still can be done. Okay. I like it. Great comment. Um, I want to also give a shout-out to Lisa Owens in the studio. She is sick and working so hard, and uh, I don't want to bring her on the show because she does not sound pretty, but she is there in spirit and working so hard. And so um, I, as I think of her, I'm bringing up our chat line, and so I think we're, we're, uh, we're good with any questions here. Well, Brian, great comments. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show and clearing up some of those issues for 1099s for our folks. And uh, any parting words here? Uh, Who's your Super Bowl just, pick? Come on, give us that. Give us your Super Bowl pick. Well, here, yeah. <laughs> are they going to play? Are they going to play with deflated balls or inflated balls? Oh no! Okay, we cannot go there. Is that not been overhashed? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm picking Seattle in this game. Yeah. Not that I necessarily Ooh. want them to win, but that's why I'm picking. It's going to be a close game. It'll be fun. Well, all righty. Well, thank you, Brian Brown, uh, partner at Kane ECPAs, sharing his insights with us. He'll be back in a few weeks. He kind of we get beg him to come on the show. Brian, thanks for being with us. Hey, you're welcome. Take care. Take care. All right. Well, we're going to jump over to our legal tip for the uh, for the show. I want to move as quickly as we can. If you're just joining us, we're going to be speaking with Chris Albin shortly on creative acquisition strategies. But every week we try to add a little something that might be helpful to some different type of investor that's looking for a legal tip or a tax tip that could save them some money and better help them succeed. So we've got Kevin Kennedy, an attorney out of our Phoenix office, joins us on a regular basis to share something that he maybe encountered during the week. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure and honor. So <laughs> what is going on? What do you got for us today? Yeah, I'll be brief. I'm excited for this radio show as well. So um, I won't, I'll try not to be long-winded here. Um, okay. So my tip is for, yeah, as I, and then I'll ramble on for 10 minutes. No, I won't do that. Um, my tip is for those who are self-directed clients, self-directed retirement account clients, and even, even those who aren't um, but have an IRA, and maybe they're thinking about, maybe they've read online, which there's a lot of material online about uh, the benefits of, uh, of the Roth IRA and doing a Roth IRA conversion. Um, and I'm also speaking to probably just the, the small few which happen to include a couple of my clients this week, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Those who already did a Roth IRA conversion, and now that they're on the other side of that transaction, they're kind of doing, a, uh, uh-oh, what have I done? I want to change my mind sort of a thing. So um, I won't bore You've got the, some good the news for you. I, yes, sorry, if I may yes. interject here. So let me just hear what you're saying. Folks, if you've done a a Roth conversion, meaning changed your IRA into a Roth. You had to do it by December 31st, and you're, you've bumped into some people that are having second thoughts. So I bet you you've got some good news for them. <laughs> I do. I'll, I'll be brief. Yeah, I won't bore, bore anybody with the details, but basically the IRS lets you do that. Uh, they call it a recharacterization. Um, and so, so the tip is, first of all, uh, that you can do that. You can recharacterize. Uh, Roth dollars back to traditional, but there are some restrictions and some requirements, and I'll, and I'll give three briefly as part of my tip. Uh, but I also just wanted to point out that, so that's the good news for our IRA people, for our 401k people, uh, maybe our solo 401k people, who if they want to do an in-plan conversion, which which 
which we love and we can help them with, they need to know that you cannot recharacterize that. So you're, for whatever reason, uh, the IRS kind of, you know, on certain issues with between the IRA and the 401k, uh, there's no rhyme or reason t- for it, but the 401k client who who converts uh, to 401k, uh, to a Roth 401k, they cannot recharacterize it. But if you have an IRA that you've uh, converted to Roth, you can recharacterize it. So I want to talk briefly about what you need to do if you if you want to recharacterize your IRA. Again, you can't do that with a 401k. So it's good and bad news, Mark. <laughs> um, okay, right. Well, and and I think people would have never been able to make a Roth election on their 401k anyway. They would have had to roll it out to an IRA. So really, there shouldn't be anybody in that quandary. Am I missing something? Well, no, just if they've set up the 401k, uh, you know, like through us, for example, the solo 401k, and then they want to do uh, what's called an in-plan conversion. So they're taking... Mm-hmm traditional 401k dollars and converting it to a designated Roth 401k account, uh, which which we've had some clients uh, have have interest in doing, then they just need to know that you can't go back. You can't recharacterize that. Gotcha. So, yeah. Okay. So those yeah. in, in con- that, that internal 401k allocation to Roth money is doesn't meet the def- definition of a Roth conversion. Okay. And so I want to put this in perspective for some people that may be listening here, because I always worry that someone's going to, uh, heaven forbid, fall, fall asleep while they're listening to the show. And, and yeah. Kevin, don't be offended. You know, you chose no. the topic. So, you know, don't, <laughs> don't hate the player, right? Just hate the game. But, um, <laughs> but Roths are amazing for tax planning. They grow tax-free. They come out tax-free. Whenever you do a model, folks, on investing, uh, the Roth always outperforms the standard IRA. So, they they can be amazing, but you've got to pay the tax on the money to get it in there. So that's where this quandary arises. So we talked about it repeatedly in December. Make a Roth election if you want. So if you want to undo it or undo a portion of it, Kevin, hit the highlights. What do we got to do? We've got till April 15th, right? Well, actually, even more than that, the IRS, uh, for whatever reason, has said it, it's uh, the deadline is your personal tax return deadline, including extensions. So... October 15th. So there's first point. Nice. So second point is just knowing that if you do want to recharacterize your Roth IRA, you just need to notify your uh, custodian who has your Roth IRA. Let them know that's what you want to do. And what they can do, the simplest method is is uh, that same custodian would open up a traditional IRA if you don't already have one, and then they do what's called a trustee-to-trustee transfer of the funds um, from the Roth IRA back to the traditional IRA. So that's the second thing. The third thing is making sure, and this is arguably maybe the most important, assuming you met the deadline, assuming, you, number two, you've, you've actually moved the money back to uh, a traditional IRA, you need to coordinate with your tax professional, whether it's K&E or whoever, and, and make sure that the recharacterization gets reported properly on the tax return for your 2014 taxes. Um, obviously, the custodians that uh, did the Roth conversion is going to have a 1099-R that's going to be sent out, and you'll just want to have... Uh, your tax return reported properly to offset that to show that this was actually a recharacterization. And and the IRS has some nice guidance on that, um, Form 8606 and the instructions. Just Now I've really bored them. I'm talking about forms, so I've really bored your (laughs) listeners here, Mark. Yeah, watch out, dude. I'm sorry. I I fell asleep there. What were you saying? (laughs) Okay. Anyway, Kevin, great. (laughs) No, it's a good, important topic. I'm glad you're bringing it up. We're going to move on because we do. We want to keep this live and interactive. So let me throw this out before you leave, though, because I may want your comment and I, any help is uh, appreciated. Um, and Lisa, I'm going to call you out here in two seconds. I cannot open my chat window. I'm having problems with my flash player on my studio screen. So be prepared to maybe throw out some of the questions that may be on the chat line. I'm not sure if there's any there because I can't even see it. But we did have a quick email from Julie. Uh, Julie has such a wonderful um, help here. She sent an email and said, folks, if you want to download, um, sorry, order your 1099 forms, there's uh, order early, no postage, no cost. You just go to irs.gov and you can order your own 1099s and 1098s. So you don't have to rush down to the post office or go to Staples and pay for them or whatever. So uh, just che- uh, that was a nice little chip from Ju- tip from Julie. Now, it's too late for 2014, but she said next year in the fall, just go to irs.gov and download those forms yourself. 
um, and you can do that online. And let's call out to here in the studio. Lisa, uh, how are you feeling? You doing okay? You hanging in there? Uh, I'm doing okay over here. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Any comments on the chat line we should hear about? No, 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 no comments yet. But definitely okay. keep me posted. I'll let you know what goes on. Okay, we'll circle back. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks. That's Lisa Owens mm-hmm. in the studio. She does such a great job. Well, Kevin, it looks like you're off the hook. You just got to give us your Super Bowl pick. Okay, well, yeah, this is uh, not to offend anyone. It's kind of, I guess, the lesser of two evils. I'm going to go with the Patriots. So, Sorry, you broke up. Okay, we got to go, Kevin. We'll see you later. <laughs> uh, sorry, did you say something? <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Did I say Patriots? That came out wrong. I meant Seahawks. <laughs> We've got a lot more clients up in Seattle than we have in Boston. So, I, obviously, I did not forewarn you on that. So, okay. Oh, you threw me no, All right. I, all right. <laughs> well, well, I better I get off up now. in Washington. Yeah, no, I'm just ch- hey, just joking. It's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game, I hope. Uh, but I did, for those that don't know, I grew up in Washington State. And uh, all my formative years, from, gosh, age 4 to age 20, that's where I was at. And uh my parents lived there 10 more years after I left until they retired in another state. But uh, I love Washington. Love the Seahawks. Jim Zorn. Hey, you know what I'm saying, folks. Where's my Seattleonians? <laughs> Kevin, thanks for tuning in. I mean, not tuning in. Thanks for contributing today. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Mark. See you later. All right. Thanks. Okay, folks, a little Roth IRA conversion. Okay, now for the moment you've all been waiting for, you had to struggle through those you know, painstaking tips on 1099s and Roth conversions. They're to help you, I know, but they're not exciting, sexy topics. For that, we bring out, again, the legend in the Illinois area nationwide, Chris Albin, who we just are so lucky to have with us today. Now, Chris is a, was a high, uh, high school school teacher for years, and in his summers and in his weekends, he ended up buying close to 300 rental properties as a school teacher. Is that unbelievable? He's figured out all sorts of strategies to use creative acquisitions, no money down, no credit. He's amazing. He speaks for Renatus, the uh, online education company with live events uh, all over the country every week or support groups and uh, clubs. I speak for Renatus as well. Just a fantastic company. And uh, he's an owner broker, a realtor in Danville, Illinois, the only flat exclusive broker brokerage in that area. So without any further ado, we're grateful to have Chris with us. Um, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, it's an honor. I wanted, I mean, I just want to kick it off and go, how's my little rental doing out in your area? As my property manager, uh, I've got a great little meth lab rental. How's it doing? Is it still? <laughs> your, your house is going along great. It uh, it actually had a <laughs> had a furnace issue recently. Of course, we all have furnace issues out here right now. But um, uh, I think you were doing over 15% a year last year. So, I mean, that uh, that's that's not bad. Cash on cash, baby. I love it. Yeah, and uh, that's right. <laughs> I I heard you were doing a property tour, and you were trying to take some folks by and said, hey, here's Mark Kohler's rental, but it was shut down due to a, a police raid and the, the, the tape. So I thought that was a good Almost. sign for my rental. No, we, we, were, uh, we were actually, yeah, I had a, a, a student that came in from uh, Southern California area, and we were driving around, and and I said, hey, you know, there's uh, Mark's house. And then we turned the corner, and the, literally there were, the police had somebody pulled off, and it was kind of a kind of a raid there. But uh, it wasn't in your house. It was the, the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's good. I'm glad my neighbors are upstanding and that's uh, right. not good, having any good problems with the, with the law. <laughs> well, okay. Well, since we only have you for about a half hour, and thank you for finding time in your busy, busy schedule, uh, we want to hear, uh, of course, during – by the end of the show, I want to make sure everyone knows how to get a hold of Chris if you want some coaching from him or if you want to buy properties in his area. He can help you as well find income-producing properties in the greater uh, Chicago or Illinois area. So uh, we'll, come, we'll come to that, so don't, don't uh, stress out, listeners. I appreciate your patience. But uh, Chris, oh my gosh, every year we get you on here, you always wow me, wow me with a new strategy. So I'm just going to ask this right off the bat. What is the coolest, hottest, best way to buy a property when I don't have a lot of cash or I don't have a great credit score? If you had only one choice, now we're going to go through several, I'm sure, but what's one of those best strategies that you would tell someone this is your best chance to get a property if you've got challenging credit and not a lot of reserves? 
Yeah, and uh, I would I would probably say a contract for deed or an agreement for deed. But uh, the the first thing that I would do, and this is this is one of the things I talk about in the class. You almost have to lay some groundwork before you even answer that question, because okay, all right. Um, I always I always tell my students the first thing you have to do is determine the challenge. So uh, the seller has challenges. We, the buyer, has challenges. A lot of times our, our challenge is I don't have the best credit or I already have 10 mortgages or I don't want to pay money, I, want, uh, uh, I don't have money. Whatever the challenge is, we determine our challenge. But then we also need to determine the seller's challenge. So the seller may need to move quickly. The seller may have a – the ones that I run into, they have a house that's hard to sell because of its uh, deferred maintenance or um, – you know, or it's just in a, a rough place. It's in a rental property neighborhood, and they're a homeowner. I mean, there's there's all kinds of challenges out there. Do they need cash? How much cash do they need? But the sellers don't even know how to articulate those things. So you really have to ask a lot of questions. And and so I can walk into a house, and I can spend five minutes in the house. I can look around. I can know how much I'm going to have to spend to repair it. I'm get, I can know. Um, you know, what I can get in rent, but I'm going to spend enough time, maybe a half an hour, an hour, two hours, whatever it takes to understand the reason that seller is selling. And once I understand the seller's challenge, then I'm going to offer three possible solutions. Most people offer, you know, they make an offer. Here, I'll, I'll give you, you know, 10000 down and a contract for the rest, or uh, I'll buy it subject to your existing mortgage, or whatever it is. I always like to say, okay, these are three possibilities. You know, I'll buy it subject to, I'll give you a, a contract for deed, a seller carryback mortgage, a lease option, whatever we want to do. But I want to give them three options because if I only give them one option, they understand that they have two options. They can say yes or they can say no. But if I give them three options, they're more likely to say, explain this. And and I love that opportunity because then I can show the benefits. So I can show them an amortization schedule. I can show them how they're making more money than just the purchase price. I can show the benefits of, you know, their tax benefits to a lease option on the seller side. I can show them all kinds of things if they just say, explain it to me. So uh, the first thing I would do is determine the challenge. Second thing is offer them three possible solutions, three offers. And well, maybe and they'll I forget would... about that fourth one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think what happens too is when you're in, in, in I've got a multiplicity of questions here. I've had some clients uh, or listeners email in some questions before the show too. But um one one that obviously um I think is a is a good result of making those options available and talking with the client is you open up a dialogue. You show that you're skilled, you show that you know what you're talking about, you show that you're willing to be flexible. And you're building a relationship. So, uh, I mean, certainly that, that being able to present various options shows your skill set as an investor and probably opens doors for you wherever you go. Would that be a fair statement? Oh, absolutely. You know, and um, you, want, you want to build trust. And, um, you know, you don't, you're not there to educate them. And, and sometimes that's one of the biggest challenges my students have. They want to show how much they know uh, that the, the the seller doesn't care how much you know. The seller wants to know, can you help them? And can you fix it? <laughs> and how are you going to fix it? And so uh, just having that conversation is is a good thing because uh, having the confidence, and, and part of that confidence comes from being educated and just uh, knowing what you're talking about. And again, a lot of my students want to talk too much. They don't listen enough. Your goal there is to determine that challenge. What is that seller's challenge? Then you can come back with your offer. Um, you don't need to tell them how much you know, but you need to be able to answer their questions. So uh, that's that's what I would say is just uh, make sure that you understand their need. Okay. Now let me throw this out too. This is one of the um, questions I got from a listener before the show was, Mark, I don't have time. I, well, sorry, let me repeat their, their whole email. They said, Mark, please share with Chris that I love his strategies and I've been following him for years. However, I have a day job, I've got a family, and I don't have time to go knock on doors, period. Uh, sorry, I feel like I'm talking to my Siri phone. <laughs> I always repeat periods and commas now. <laughs> the other day, I'm a mess when I try to like even leave a voicemail for people now because I'm like talking to Siri, period, comma, question mark. Um, but no, so, so in the email here, um, uh, he says, what can I do to acquire properties – 
in a creative fashion without having to do all the legwork. How do you respond to someone that wants this option, this this strategy, but they they're busy people? Great, great question. Um, one of the one of the strategies I teach is um, joint venturing, or uh, I just call it equity sharing. You can find somebody that has time. I always I always tell people look look for somebody who's educated, who has what you lack. So if you lack money, find somebody with money. If you lack time, find somebody with time. But find somebody trustworthy. That's that's the challenge. The other the other thing is this. Find very strategic people who can help you. For example, um just yesterday I got a phone call from a banker and I've purchased property subject to this bank's loans uh last year I guess last year and late the year before, late 2013 and early 2014, I purchased over 20 properties subject to existing mortgages. Um, the first time it was subject to the banker had a little bit of heartburn, uh, but he trusted me better than the seller. Uh, and what I mean by subject to for the listeners is that we left the seller's mortgage in place. The seller deeded the property to me, and I am making the bank payments, and I am the owner. I'm able to fix it up. Uh, I just told the bank, I said, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm willing to fix up the properties, but I'm not willing to spend that kind of money without owning them. So the banker had a little bit of heartburn. But then banker had another seller that was going down, and I was talking to that seller. And to make the banker feel better, we did it on a contract for deed, which means I'll make a small down payment. Now, in that case, I didn't make any kind of down payment because I was going to do repairs. Um, and then I will make monthly payments and I was making those monthly payments directly to the bank. The monthly contract payment was equal to the mortgage payment of the seller. So it was just like a subject to deal, but we did a contract for deed where the uh, title, the ownership, stayed in the seller's name. Uh, the seller did put a deed in escrow with the bank. So the seller can disappear. I don't care what happens to the seller at this point. I'm basically all but the owner. I mean, it's just everything is in place. Always have a title search. Always, always uh, get clear title. But um, have those strategic, those strategic relationships. So the banker called me just yesterday with a duplex. Uh, my mother was talking to me about her tax situation last year. She needs some more deductions. So she and I, she's in her 70s, she and I went out, we looked at that house, and she's going to buy that. Again, no money down. Um on a contract from deed from uh, from a seller who lives in Florida has never met us. We've never talked to that seller, but the banker is the one who called us. And so once you develop those strategic relationships, um, you don't need to be knocking on doors. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. I, I want to repeat for those that have just joined us, we've got a number of callers that just have come online. Uh, we're speaking with Chris Albin. Uh, owner, broker, real estate investor, nationwide speaker and coach in the area of creative acquisitions. He was a school teacher for years and built up clo over 300 rental properties on a school teacher budget with he and his wife and sons. Uh, a, a, a tremendous uh, example to me of hard work, dedication, honesty. And in fact, with his brokerage company, he manages one of my little rentals out in uh, Illinois, and it's been a wonderful experience. And I want to just throw, before we go off the topic of partnering, and then I'm going to add a twist here, I, I want to throw this out too. When, when you said, Chris, about partnering with those that ha may have more time, even though you may have a little money and a decent credit, uh, this is where family can play a big role too. For those of you out there that have older children, uh, t even teenagers or college students or brothers, sisters, or family that are struggling financially, they don't know where to go for their next job, they want help, they want support, or they want a handout. These are the people that you can educate. Make them your little minions. Have them take online real estate education. Have them give me or Chris a call. Get some coaching for this individual. And if you can train them and sign an agreement with them where they can go out and knock the doors for you, you can find and create an LLC, have an equity share type position with these folks. So I love what you're saying, Chris, about partnering with those that don't have the piece and part you need to succeed. Well, let's bring IRAs into the mix for a minute, just so it's out on the table. We've talked about it a lot today. It's a theme through our newsletter, Matt Sorensen's new book, The Self-Directed IRA Handbook. Of course, it's a strategy many of our clients employ. 
I want a full disclosure. I used my health savings account to form a little LLC in Illinois. And Chris, you helped me with that down payment. Um, we di- actually did a down payment in that project. It was seller carryback. But um, you, do you have many of your clients that are using the IRA, the 401k, the health savings account to get into these lower income properties? Is it, does it work? Is it possible? What are you seeing in that industry right now? Yeah, it's it's really, it's um, you know I have clients who do kind of both ends of that spectrum. Um, I had one client who had um, I think it was over fifty thousand dollars, right at fifty thousand dollars. He came in and he bought some properties that needed some repair. We did the repair. Then I have other clients who have small down payments and the retirement plans. So this client is selling the properties. He's he's you know he's he's purchased them he's fixed them uh we've rented them out they're managed uh they're occupied it's a turnkey so he's selling it at a a higher price so now he is carrying back paper so uh paper in his IRA is easier to manage than a house in his IRA but somebody with a $5000 down payment um you know having the house and the rental property may be a better thing in their IRA or even outside of their IRA, depending on their tax needs. So I have people on both spectrums of that. Yeah, we, we've got people who have a little bit. We have people who have a lot. In fact, I've got a group of investors that are coming together in a small LLC, and they're going to be purchasing some property and um, for the purpose of just buy and hold because they believe that uh, real estate's on the upswing and, and now's a good time. And uh, they're in a market um, – Let's just say they're in a market where you can't touch anything for less than $30,000. So they're pretty excited about how much they can buy in the Midwestern markets. And so, uh, again, so long as you can trust the, the local uh, feet on the ground, um, you know, that's, that's a strategy that they're interested in. So, yeah, I've got people on all ends of the spectrum who are very interested in investing. Um, got a guy who called me. He's got 10000 bucks. We're looking for something to do with that. It's... it's um, it's kind of fun for me to solve those challenges. Well, let's go back I, to some of these strategies now. We've talked about maybe networking and partnering, using IRAs, your experience. Let's go back to two or three of these key strategies that you might present in someone's, at someone's kitchen table or out on the, the stoop and you're talking to them. Uh, the, one of these was subject to. The other was lease option. And the other was contract for for deed. I think you kind of explained the contract for deed a little bit. Maybe there's a down payment or not, and you you make a create a contract. The seller keeps the title in their name. Uh, they'll sign the deed over, put it in escrow until you refi or actually uh, purchase. Um, maybe tell us about the lease option strategy a little bit, and we're, and then we'll go to the chat line. Lisa, we'll call on you here. If anybody has a question for Chris, please dial in at six four six two zero zero four two eight five. That's six four six. Two zero zero four two eight five. Lisa, press the number one. Turn off the sound on your computer if you're listening on your computer, and Lisa will bring you out on the show. And if you're listening from your computer and you want to just type up a question in the chat line, we'll have Lisa share that shortly. So tell us about the lease option. How those strategies work for you, Chris? Yeah, the lease option um, is is a good strategy. It's not my go-to strategy initially, simply because it has so many benefits to the seller. Um, many times if the seller's in a kind of a walk away position, isn't going to, isn't going to sell, isn't very creative. And then I can show them how a lease option benefits them, uh, and how safe they are. Uh, that might be my one chance of getting that property, but a lease option in short is I am the renter. I as the buyer. Uh, so the listener here, the buyer would be renting the property and we have an option or a right to buy it for a certain time or for a certain price uh, at some time in the future. Um, There are gurus out there who teach lease options. Most of the time they teach it from the seller's perspective. Lease options are really seller-friendly. But from a buyer, you have to be really careful. You need to make sure that you determine the price and that it is a fixed price. Don't don't agree to a, an option that says, we'll get it appraised three years from now, and that's going to be the price. Um, in fact, the, the state of Texas has even made options all but illegal <laughs> because of the abuse that some, some sellers have, have uh, 
put some buyers through. But in the end, it's a, it's a good strategy as a buyer too because um, you can deduct your rent payments like an equipment lease. You can deduct the entire monthly payment uh, because you are going to sublease. And so yeah, and. It, and, and if I may interject, the no, the no money, you're very little money down, and right. you're able to tackle and get into a property that you see some potential in. And you do have, yeah, you do have to pay a, a an option premium. But I tell people pay pay as little as possible because what you're doing with that premium is you're buying time. You're actually buying a piece of paper. It's not a down payment. It's not refundable earnest money. It is you are purchasing a bundle of rights. You are purchasing that piece of paper that gives you the right to buy it over a certain period of time for a certain price. And so you own that right. If if they strike gold on that property, you still get your price. So um, it it gives you a lot of power, um, but then you can always just walk away. Let's say that uh, you know the the street gangs move in and you don't want that property anymore. You don't have to buy it. You have the right, but not the obligation. So um, if you the the lease the lease part gives you the right to use it. So you need to have a lease something other than what you would find in a stationary store, something that your attorney would would prepare for you simply because most standard leases assume that the lessee is going to be living there. Uh, we would not be living there. We are going to lease it for the right to sublet it. We are going to lease it um, for the purpose of income. And so we would want our lease to specify that that is our purpose, uh, and we want our lease to allow us to do things that the typical leases may not allow typical tenants to do. I like it. Now, let me mention, we've got some questions coming in here now, and uh you're a popular guy, Chris. We love you. Just such good advice. Um, <laughs> but I do want to mention the lease option. You'll be interested to know, earlier this week, I, well, sorry, it was latter end of last week. I think it was a, 30, a Thursday consult. I had a group of investors on the phone who did a lease option. They had a great option fee. Uh, they had the property tied down. They spent almost a hundred grand in repairs under this lease option, and then they couldn't sell it. They wanted to flip the lease option. And once the time expired for their exercise price, the seller had the property drop back in their lap with all these wonderful repairs. And if they're if it's not an abuse situation and they're given ample time to do the the repairs, uh, and they're not in a state that uh, provides restrictions for something like this, they're really out in the cold. And we were talking about uh, you know different ways to maybe mitigate the situation, but it wasn't pretty. And so I think what you're saying, Chris, is very, very smart. There, you could, you, If you're a master at lease options, they can work amazing. But you have to be very, very cautious what the timing, what you're spending, um, how it's going to come together. Okay, one or two quick questions. First from Julie uh, via email. Um, this is our tipster for that those IRA forms. She says, does Chris Alvin act as a custodian for the IRA or just help find the property and property manage and I'll answer right now for Chris is not as as custodian we are not custodians we can help you find a custodian for your IRA uh, and then you'd probably set up an IRA LLC but Chris oh my gosh you're helping people find properties and manage right tell us what you do yeah that's what we do Uh, let me let me go back one one second to your last statement um, in order, and again, I teach only buyer strategies. I never teach seller strategies. And options are very powerful seller strategies, an absolutely powerful seller thing. And um, I teach with other people. Uh, you know Chris Wilson. You know, I, I teach mm-hmm. with, with him. He teaches seller strategies on lease options. Uh, but for the buyer, whenever you have an option, always make sure, insist that there is a renewability to that option. Make sure there's a clause in there that allows you to pay a little bit more and renew it for another three years or whatever it is. And that kind of fixes that uh, that time crunch. So that's that's one thing I would say there. Now, go back to uh, the question. Uh, what we do, um, I'm, a, I'm a buyer's broker. I, and I tend to not work with retail buyers. 
I have no patience for mom and pop home buyer who go out there and I show them a house they can get for ten, twenty thousand dollars below market value, and they don't like the color of it. I mean, I have no patience for that. I like people call me up and they say these are the numbers I want. You know, I'm looking for a certain rate of return. I have this much money. Uh, you know, they. <laughs> it's it's really easy. They're just buying numbers, buying and selling numbers because that's what the house is, and. In the end, I tell people they need to be realistic about their numbers. I realize when I tell people numbers that I'm I'm very conservative on estimates. Uh, I've learned to be. And so in the end, um, if, if somebody's telling you that you can get a property for $2,000 down and it's going to produce $200 a month in positive cash flow, you know, I would really – uh, think about that because what they're saying is it's 10% a month. I mean, you, you really have to boil it down. Wall Street would pay more. Local people would pay more. If if local people and Wall Street would pay more, then that investment probably isn't calculating something into the numbers. I had a I had a student from the Sacramento area call me, and he was looking at a number of duplexes, and he was looking looking to find some uh, money sources and and seeing what what I could do to help. And we just talked on the phone, and it was about a 15-minute conversation. I said, okay, just tell me the numbers. And there were about three different things, like lost rent wasn't calculated into the mix. Um, his um, capital gain, uh, I mean, his uh, capital improvements. I mean, there were some maintenance issues, but every once in a while you will have to repair a furnace. You will have to do a roof. So all of these numbers were not calculated into his into his mix. And we realized at the end of that conversation that he would be losing about $80,000 a year if, we, if he did this deal. So just being realistic about your numbers is the most important thing. Um, so what we do is we kind of we kind of crunch numbers. And so um, while I was waiting to be on this call and I was listening to your other guests, I had a call from a guy in Hawaii. He is, he is buying his second uh, property in his retirement plan. Uh, and it's, there's nothing he can touch for a $5,000 down payment in, in Hawaii. There's nothing. <laughs> so he's yeah, buying surprise. a property in the Midwest that that makes some sense for him. He's young. I think he's 25, 27, something like that. He doesn't, if it cash flows flat for the next 30 years, he has tenants who are buying him a $30,000, $40,000 asset that will be worth, that will be worth 80000 in 30 years. And then it will cash flow whatever the amount of the mortgage payment was. So there's a difference between uh, income and building wealth. So I help people determine what are your goals? Are your goals income? Are your goals building wealth? And uh, so we structure hey, I, those those investments for those. I love it. And I could you could go on and on. I love it. And we're going to give your contact information out to folks and not to be rude. We've got uh, several questions coming in right now and I want to make sure that we get those um, answers. So we've got Marcy, a live caller on the line. So uh, let me bring her out. Um, Marcy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. How are you? Good. Great to hear your voice. I know this, Marcy. I can hear it. <laughs> yes, just, you do. <laughs> good to hear your voice. How are you doing down in I Florida, if, I, if I'm correct? Yes, South Florida. I'm doing great. Uh, well, good, so, good. Well, go ahead. So, what, so your question, question the, since I know you have a lot of callers. Um, Chris, do you know of any loopholes in, to be able to do subject twos in Florida on properties that already have a list pendants filed because they're prohibited here in Florida? Are you aware of any loopholes since I always count yeah, no. you guys for that kind of stuff? <laughs> yeah, great question, Marcy. Uh, there are certain states that, that – uh, definitely affect your creative strategies. So in certain states, Indiana, Florida, for, for both, both um, require that the property not be in foreclosure for you to enter into a subject to agreement. Um, you know, so, and again, there, the definition of in foreclosure is a little bit loose in some states. So I'm not aware of every state law. Uh, it's not what I do. But I know that there are states where you should always run your contract past your attorney, a good local real estate attorney, uh, you know, not your not your divorce lawyer or whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> but a good, good local real estate attorney, because that person will know those state-specific laws. Uh, there are things that I, you know, I'm in downstate Illinois. Uh, Chicago is in Cook County. 
there are things that I could not do in Cook County that I can do here. So there are even municipal laws that you have to be aware of. So I would always run your your contract at least the first or second time on any given strategy past a good local real estate attorney. Okay. Well, thank you. But on Marcy, that. great question. I want to. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Marcy, and I'm going to make one comment as you come off the air. Thank you so much. Good to hear your voice. Likewise. <laughs> um, uh, I want to mention the Liz Pendants that, Marcy, you just brought up, and that is Liz Pendants, for those that don't know, means that there's a lawsuit related to that property. And I know that there's some str- that could create a great opportunity for you as a buyer, but, again, be very, very careful getting into a property that has that sort of baggage. And Marcy, she's a very skilled and uh, seasoned investor, so I know she's got a specific reason for going after a property in that situation. But for those uh, laypersons out there, don't think that properties with Liz Pendants are a screaming deal. Uh, be cautious. Um, one, one, one last comment yeah, on that, though, just to go back to Marcy's question. Um, depending on how friendly you are with the buyer, you can always bring that mortgage current, then buy it. There you go. That's a great point. Um, I like it. Okay, now let's go over at Lisa in the studio, see if there's some chat line questions before I bring up another email. Um, so, Lisa, any anything on the chat line you'd like to uh, pass along to Chris? Here's a quick question in our last four or five minutes. No, I don't have any quick questions on the chat line. I do have a, another live caller that called in that I'm getting ready to check in with here. Okay, we'll, we'll try to get to you as quick as we can. Another question via email from Eric. Um, Chris, you talked about the contract for deed and that the bank was holding the property in escrow. I'm sorry, the deed in escrow. What is the end game? How do you take ultimate control of the property? What's the end of that transaction, and what does it look like? Yeah, the contract... Uh, has a specific clause in there that says that when I pay off the mortgage, um, the the bank records the deed. So the the seller in that situation was in over his head. He had seven rental properties, only one of which was occupied. I actually found that deal not because of the bank's phone call, but because I was doing my my research as much much like what I teach in one of my classes. And I I do research trying to find seller finance leads. So in the end. Um, the banker just wants to be paid off. That seller just wants out. So my goal was to go talk to the banker. Um, I paid his mortgage current, so I did have to give a down payment. It was just to bring the mortgage current. My contract payment is the exact amount of the uh, mortgage plus his escrow or impound amount. And that's my monthly payment. When that mortgage is paid off, and and my goal right now is I've I've got five of these properties for sale as a as a portfolio, and in the end when that mortgage is paid off the deed will come to me the seller has already signed it he's already executed it the seller can be in Aruba for all we care he's he's already out of the picture so the end game is the banker wants to be paid off. Well, and I suspect in the short run you've got renters in there that are covering the mortgage payment. Right, we spent and, about thirty thousand dollars fixing up those properties, and we still have two of them that that needed more work than that. So they're kind of sitting there waiting for us to cash these out to to sell these, so that we can recoup our cash, so that we can fix the others. But in the in the short term, uh, now the renters are are paying the mortgage, the renters are paying the taxes, they're paying the maintenance. They're you know, uh, we only needed five of them going, and so it's a good deal for me right now. However, I do want to pay the banker off because they want him to continue. To call me. Okay. Um, one uh, question, and this is our live caller, so we're going to have to make it quick, but this is uh, Vaj. Uh, welcome to the show. I guess this is a question about finding deals. Uh, go ahead. No, I really wanted to just get his immediate feedback on a deal. Um, thank you for the information. I will listen to the earlier part of the broadcast. I just popped in. My question for you folks is this. Um, we're living in a, a, a regular one-family house with $1,800 a month mortgage, and we're looking at an apartment building that is in great shape, um, seven or eight units, averaging nine to about 1200 a month, depending upon some variables. The mortgage on that building is only $2,200 a month. So what kind of cash, if, if with good credit, what kind of cash should we keep in reserve for things like boiler problems or things like that, considering that the building is supposed to be in really good condition. 
Fosh, thank you for that question. We'll take you off the line. We've got just a little over a minute left. So just what's your standard rule, Chris, on reserves? Yeah, great great question. It depends on the, the neighborhood. Um, in some of the rough neighborhoods I have, you've got to figure about a 75% occupancy rate. Uh, other places you can figure 90%. So it just depends on the neighborhood. Um, low-end tenants tend to do more damage to the property. High-end tenants tend to take care of it better. So it just depends okay, on the Last question, on Chris. Before we, we're going to yeah. get cut off here. Chris, tell us your email, your phone. How do people get a hold of you? Right. Telephone is 217 497-3970. Best way to contact me. My voicemail is almost always full, so 217-497-3970. Uh, I'm not offering that up to coach because I really don't have any kind of coaching program or anything. Uh, I love to talk to people, but I can't spend a lot of time doing that. Email at chris at homebuyersperspective.com. Chris at homebuyersperspective.com. Chris, thanks for being with us. Folks, you know how to get a hold of me. You email me, I'll hook you up with Chris. Chris, you are amazing. Thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks so, Mark. I, I, thanks so much, Mark. I appreciate your having me on. Everyone, we'll catch you next week for another round of the Mark Miller Show. Appreciate you being here. Have a great day. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.